Thank you, Nathan. Um, yeah, as Nathan alluded to, um, I was just going to say, I guess we're fairly tight now. I was going to say maybe we could consolidate tables, but uh, looks like we're pretty good now. But uh, as Nathan alluded to, he didn't know, and I don't know Nathan uh, terribly well, uh, so I thought maybe I would start by uh, giving you just a quick, very quick uh, introduction to who I am. Um, we've been coming uh, to Northridge basically when just shortly after you moved into this facility, so it's coming up I think almost uh, three years now. Um, but I grew up in, in Toronto and uh, my wife Darlene grew up in Peterborough and we got married, um, I hate to say it, uh, back in uh, 1975. And uh, as I like to tell the story, um, two days after we uh, got married, we went on our honeymoon. And uh, that honeymoon involved us uh, moving out to Alberta. We uh, moved to a town called Red Deer. If you don't know where that is, it's halfway between Calgary and Edmonton. And uh, we spent four years there, although within that four years, we spent uh, almost a year living in Vancouver. My job had required that I work in Vancouver for a while. And we were living in a hotel downtown Vancouver. So uh, every night we typically took a drive out to Stanley Park just for something to do. But then I uh, retired from that job or quit that job. And we ended up moving to California for a year. And uh, we were involved with a program that was run by a church down there. And uh, we came back from California and um, spent another five years in, in Red Deer. And then we finally ended our honeymoon when we came back to uh, the GTA area. Um, as I say, my, my wife, uh, the way she'd tell the story, she's never had a honeymoon. She's, in fact, she's still waiting for one. Uh, but um, we've been involved with uh, a number of uh, churches in the, the New, Mar New Market area, involved in planning a church. Uh, and then, again, we settled uh, here a number of years ago. But uh, we've got uh, four grandchildren. Uh, which, uh, like most grandparents, we like to um, look after, shall I say. Uh, of course, our, our kids don't always appreciate it. They think we spoil them. And um, I think the real reason, though, behind it is they always say, well, you never treated us the way you treat their kids. And I just like to tell them, well, now that we're doing it a second time, we just want to do it right. So... Uh, that's just a little bit about uh, who we are. And in fact, I was driving back from uh, my daughter's uh, residence, who she lives just north of Ottawa, when I got a call from Jacob asking if, we'd, if I'd be interested in doing this uh, talk within the series that they were doing on uh, Wednesday in the Word. And um, he presented what the, the topic was. and. Uh, when I finally agreed to it, I don't know if the word got out that I was doing it this night, but it seems like at least all the pastors were aware of it and they got out of town uh, as quickly as possible. But um, I'm glad you guys uh, decided to show up. But he um, presented the topic uh, in the series and uh, when he introduced it to me and I was thinking, well, are there people in my life that I uh, probably have this kind of relationship with. In other words, I only connect with them when I need something. And I was thinking, well, yeah, well, that's probably true of my, uh, my doctor. I don't like to just go for visits. I only go if I've got some, what I think is a serious problem. Um, 
probably the same thing as with my dentist. Um, I don't tend to go for checkups. It's, you know, if I got something that is really causing pain, then I'll go see the dentist. Um, and probably even the lawyer, uh, I seldom see. Uh, but it, it is because I need help with something. But um, in just thinking about this kind of uh, perspective of having a relationship with God, but only interested in it if uh, it's something that we think he can help us with. Um, I'm sure from, from God's perspective, um, or anybody that's treated that way, uh, they may uh, want to think of it in terms of this kind of a statement where it says, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I only exist when you need something. And uh, uh, I'm sure that uh, from God's perspective and hopefully from our perspective, uh, that's not the kind of relationship that we want to have with our God. And uh, as the um, topic alludes to, yeah, we want to uh, connect with God, but only when we think he can help us or we need his help. And uh, as uh, Gordon talked to on Sunday, uh, Jesus on numerous occasions talked about the father wanting to help. And uh, as he talked about a specific verse where ask God or ask the father for anything and he will do it and Gord went into explaining what that was all about. But I just wanted to, to look at this particular verse uh, where Jesus was talking about how um, a father gives his son what he needs and what he asks for. Um, and if an earthly father could do that, surely our heavenly father will do that. And so I think throughout scripture, there's a lot of reference to our God wants to help. But the question becomes then, is that the only thing that God is good for in terms of a relationship with him? And so um, I think to really understand what God intends for our relationship with him to be like, we've got to sort of go back to the very beginning. And uh, when you look at the story of the creation and you look in Genesis, when God's describing is uh, creating all of the different creatures and things that exist in the universe and specifically on the earth, he gets then to the, the last part of creating man. And when he gets to that point, he says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And again, that's something very unique from all of the creation. There's something different about us compared to everything else that God created. And if you take a look at the words that are used there, when he talks about creating man in his image, um, the Hebrew word for image is the word equivalent to the word shadow. Uh, if you take the Greek uh, word that's used for that same term, um, there's a word that we get the word icon from. And someone's described, because icon can have a number of meanings, but uh, one definition of icon is a simple image that represents a real thing. Uh, not to be confused with a symbol, because as it says, a symbol 
uh, oops, sorry, uh, is a simple image, but you have to learn what the meaning is. But in terms of an icon, it's something that represents something that is real. And so the question becomes then, well, what is it about man that um, allows us to represent or be something that represents God? And as the last phrase of that verse says, um, he says, after our likeness. But what's this all about in terms of man being um, representative of God? And there's a lot of different ways you could probably answer that question. But I wanted to take it from the perspective of the makeup of what God's all about. And uh, we believe, again, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible, but we believe that God consists of three, um, whatever term you want to use, um, beings or entities uh, that make up this oneness of God. But the significance of that is that these three beings that make up God have a relationship between each of them. And there's a lot spoken of in the Bible in terms of this relationship that exists between um, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the Gospel of John in the 17th chapter, Jesus, as what's been referred to in that chapter as the high priestly prayer, talks a lot about Jesus being as a Son, uh, one with the Father, and the Father one and loving the Son, and also wanting the same thing for us in terms of our relationship with the Father and, and the Son. And so when you look at what man's all about then, um, being in God's image, and the fact that God has this relationship within his existence, um, what could be implied by God saying that he is creating us in his image is that he's created us to relate, to have relationship with our fellow man, but I believe also with himself, to relate and have a relationship with God. And so the question becomes then, um, whoops, what um, allows us to have a relationship with not only our fellow man, but also with God? And I think the key thing that supports the ability to have a relationship as we do as humans, is because we're able to communicate. Of course, that happens typically through language. And that language can be spoken, as I'm doing tonight, but also through written word. I think also through music and music having words tied to it are all different ways that we as human beings have to be able to communicate with each other, but also uh, with our God. And so then the question becomes, well, what kind of relationship should that be? What should that relationship be like? And I think what God does, because you're not going to find anywhere in Scripture where God spells out 
what he wants our relationship with him to be. He doesn't lay out specific statements that spell out what kind of relationship he wants to have with us. But I think he does give us different concepts that from those concepts, I think we can get an understanding of what kind of relationship God wants to have with us. And I think one of those concepts that he presents uh, is based around this perspective of a family and how a family, people within a family interact. And of course, as we have when we have children, and as John alluded to in his gospel in the first chapter, he says when we believe, we have the right to become children of God. And uh, as a family operates with children, the whole point of their relationship is not just that the children will interact with their parents when they need something, when they need help, but it's that the children, along with the parents, will do life together. They will have a close relationship with each other as they live together, as they experience different things together, as they share um, what they enjoy, what they don't like. Um, but it's the fact that there's a close relationship involved when you have a family with the children involved in it and how they interact with not only each other within the family, but also with the, with the parents. And along with that then, we also have God referred to as the father. So with children, of course, we need parents. Uh, and so using the, again, concept of what we understand God being, again, referred to as a father, we can relate to what that means from a relationship perspective. And as Jesus, of course, started with the Lord's Prayer in referring to God as our father. And uh, as Paul alluded to in, in, in Romans 8, where he talks about um, us crying out to God as Abba, Father. But that idea of relationship with a father and children implies that there's a closeness. There's a doing, again, life together in that family kind of relationship, which again, Although in some cases, depending on if any of you are parents and you've got children, maybe the only time your children, especially when they're older, maybe the only time they do connect with you is when they need something or they want some help. But I think what God was trying to imply as Jesus was referring to God as Father was that there's more to the relationship than just having um, someone there that you can call on when you need help and ignoring him, ignoring him basically the rest of the time. And then tying in again still with that concept of family, uh, also where we're told that collectively when it comes to the church that we're the bride of Christ. And again, referring to the fact that in that relationship of husband and wife, that there's an intimacy between them. It's not just their because somebody needs help, but it's to do and live life together in close relationship. And so, again, with that concept of mind, it gives us hopefully an idea of, of what God, I think, is planning 
and wanting us to have in terms of our relationship with him and what it can be like. And then just to further add to the ability of having a close relationship with God, the fact that he says that he's given us his spirit to indwell us. So it's not just the fact that we can have a, a relationship with God, but the fact that he's there right with us as we live our, our lives. He's dwelling within us. And uh, as the um, word that's used in Jesus spoke about promising the comfort to come, uh, that word paraclete, um, which is the Greek term, or Aramaic, but it can mean comforter or counselor. But as someone's described, it's just another helping presence, referring to God's presence being uh, within us. And so, again, when you take all of those ideas and then use that to understand, well, that's what God really wants in terms of relationship with us far beyond just um, going to him when we need help. And so then the question becomes, well, if, if God wants that kind of intimate relationship with us, uh, how do we establish that kind of relationship? How do we interact with him as a child with a father, as a bride with a husband? And... Uh, when you look at, at scripture, there's a couple of different terms that are used when it comes to us relating with God. And one of those has to do with seeking God. A lot of verses in the Bible refer to us seeking God, but then there's a few times where it kind of adds an additional component to where it says to seek God's face. And I gave a couple of references there. I won't read them, but um, when it uses that term, seek God's face, uh, the word in Hebrew for face really means presence. It's to seek God's presence. And the other uh, term or phrase that's used in terms of us pursuing a relationship with God is where it talks about people walking with God. And there's an interesting verse in Amos uh, chapter 3 where God's uh, speaking through the prophet Amos and he's, he says, will two walk together unless they are agreed? And uh, God's looking at how the children of Israel and it's interesting that the Israelites are often referred to as the children of Israel. But the fact that God says if we're going to walk together, we have to agree on how we're going to um, do life together. And God's point in making that kind of a statement was that the Jews had initially, as they, God had led them out of Egypt, agreed to walk together with God. But along the way, they had got away from following what God wanted them to do, how he wanted them to live, 
how we wanted to be in close relationship with him, and they pursued other gods. And, and God was saying, we can't continue to walk together if you're not going to agree with me and be in agreement with me in terms of how you're going to live. But it's just another way of describing, again, how our relationship with God can exist if we choose, if we want to agree with God and walk with him. It's interesting as Caroline talked about this a, a number of Sundays ago, uh, this event that happened, she talked about with the leper that was healed. And that leper came to, to Jesus wanting help. And when he was healed by Jesus, he wanted to run and tell all his friends. And uh, one of the translations I have when it talks about how Jesus responded, he said, why do you look for a man? I'd rather go show yourself to the priest and the rest of what he asked them to do in terms of offering sacrifices, etc. But I think if you look at that scenario that took place, here's a man who needed help. He turned to Jesus, not understanding he was God. But once God had helped him, he thought that was the end of it. He didn't need him anymore. But Jesus, on the other hand, said, hey, this is your opportunity to start your relationship with me. Up until that point, here's a guy who was totally shut out from all religious activities from a, from a Jewish perspective. He couldn't attend the synagogue. He couldn't be involved in any offering, sacrificing, uh, festivals, etc. He was totally shut out. And Jesus said, hey, here's your opportunity to go establish your relationship with God. And not just to look at me as helping you, and that's, that's the end of it. So, the question then is, why would we want to have this kind of relationship with God? Why not just have a relationship where we just call on God when we need help, and the rest of the time we don't have to worry about it, or worry about Him? And I think there's a couple of answers to that question. One is, as the psalmist alludes to, in Psalm 16, it says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Our last study session was talking about having a philosophy where life is just about being happy. And as the psalmist alludes to here, if you want real happiness, you'll only find it in the presence of God. So, in other words, having a relationship with God, being able to enjoy his presence, will give us true joy, true happiness. But then, not only because of the benefit that could be to us, but also the fact that we can have a close relationship with God. If you look at what happened when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, paid the penalty for sin, it says the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. That veil in the, in the temple separated all 
people from God's presence because behind that veil was the Holy of Holies. And that Holy of Holies was where God's presence was for the Jewish people. And they were separated from it, but that was gone. And so it's just the fact that we can now enjoy God's presence because of what Christ has done for us and paid the penalty for our sin and allowed us to be his children. And so we can enjoy a relationship with him that goes far beyond just having God there for when we think we need him, when we think we need his help. So I came across um, a list of 10 ways that uh, we can seek God's presence. And a lot of these will be familiar to you, but hopefully in, in looking at these very briefly, um, we can look at them maybe in a little bit different light. And so the first one talks about spending time in prayer with God. The suggestion was 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, 10 minutes at the end of the day. It's really up to us as individuals if, if there's specific times that we want to commit. Maybe we could be like Daniel who prayed three times a day, as it tells us in Daniel. And uh, it's interesting that Daniel, it says that he prayed three times a day in spite of the fact that he was just being threatened with death unless he bowed down to the idol and worshiped the idol. But he still wanted to pray to God. And it says that he came to God with thanksgiving as he daily, three times a day, prayed with him. Or maybe you really want to go to the extreme and, as Paul says, pray without ceasing. But the bottom line is it, it's not, again, setting up necessarily specific amounts of time, but it's having an attitude of wanting to commune with God. And uh, as this statement kind of summarizing the idea says, prayer is the most intimate piece of a Christian's walk with God. And again, referring back to that relationship of a bride and a groom and the fact that it's our way of being able to in, in, intimately communicate with our God, give him what's on our hearts uh, through prayer, again, regardless of how much time we choose to spend in doing that. Making conscious choices uh, to find new ways to seek God. It's interesting when you look at the life of Moses when he was leading the children of Israel uh, as they were going through the desert. He said he had this tent of meeting, as it was called. I'm not sure if he called it that or what the source of that name was, but it was where God met with Moses. And it says he took it outside the camp. And then he would go into that tent and God would meet him there. And it's up to us to decide through whatever purposeful um, meaning we think we can use to spend time in meeting with God. And it all comes up to us choosing how we think um, we can set aside time, activities that will allow us to um, see God 
And it says making conscious choices in your life that will lead to more of God's presence. Identify and remove sinful actions from your life. Well, of course, this is the easy one because we don't have any of those, right? But in reality, the, the hard part is willing to give up if it is some sinful action that we know about. But maybe when it's where we need to ask God to show us the sinful things in our life that we don't recognize as being sinful. As the psalmist said, search me, O God, and let me know if there's anything within me that needs to change. Sin, of course, is what destroys, damages our relationship with our God. So we can want to seek him with all our hearts, but if there's sin, it's going to cause a separation. If we think about Adam and Eve in the garden, when they had sin, when they chose to take of that fruit, it says that God walked through the garden, and what did Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and Eve do? They hid from God. They were wanting nothing to do with God. And uh, trying to make sure, asking God to show us what in our life is causing our relationship with him to be hindered. Build a habit of expressing gratitude to God. Being thankful for all that God has done for us. Go a long way to always to understand and appreciate and have an intimate relationship with our God. Experience is present in your life by developing a grateful spirit. And as it says, it's to be expressing it. And we can do that a lot of ways, whether it's through praying, whether it's through worship. But it's just doing those kind of things with a heart that is truly grateful and thankful. Read God's word with a purpose of knowing him. Often when we look at the Bible, we're looking for what's in it for us. What does it tell us that we're going to get? But how about using it uh, as a way for us to understand who God is really all about? And uh, as it says, the Bible's not just a book. Read it like the love leather that God intends it to be. Again, developing that relationship with him so we understand what he is really all about and how much he really loves us. Learn to be joyful in all circumstances. Of course, it's easy to be joyful when things are going well. But it's when you get that call from the doctor's office or you get that call from your manager that says, this is it. It's the end of the line for your your job. We don't need you anymore. Those kind of situations that it's hard to be joyful. 
And of course, we know what James said in uh, James uh, chapter 1, where he said, Pray to God for a miracle when you experience all kinds of trials. Uh, no, he didn't really actually say that, did he? He said, well, complain to God when you experience lots of trials. Uh, he didn't actually say that either. He said, count it all joy when you encounter all sorts of trials. And uh, that really comes down to our attitude. It doesn't mean that those trials don't hurt. It doesn't mean those trials don't cause pain. But it does mean that we can allow God to take our eyes off the trial and put them on him. If we look to his presence and find the, the joy that we can have with his, with his presence. It says you will find the presence of the Lord in your adversity when you set your heart to be joyful through it all. Offer your praises, even if they come through tears. Somewhat related to that previous one. But again, when we offer our praises, we're doing something tangible, whether it's, again, through praying to God and praising Him, whether it's through singing, uh, worshiping, but it's the fact that we're, again, offering back to God our praise, uh, regardless of those circumstances that we're experiencing. And it says there's no better place to be when suffering than in the presence of your Heavenly Father who loves you. Remove your heart's idol, giving Christ his rightful place. As John says in First John, says, little children, keep yourselves from, from idols. And I'm sure when John wrote that, he was in some ways referring to physical idols. Because there were lots of those kinds of things around in his day. But I think when it comes to us, we may not consider them idols, but there can be things in our lives that we hold dear that take our eyes, take our hearts away potentially from God to cause our relationship between us and God to, uh, to falter. And it's a matter of, again, looking at the things in our lives that are detracting our hearts from our God. When worldly things and concerns make way for the living God, you will experience more of him. You will enjoy his presence. Surrender all areas of your life to his perfect will. Of course, that's one of the easiest things to do, right? We as humans, as human beings, we always think we know what we want, what we think is best, and allowing God to have control is something that's hard to do, to allow God to have his will in our lives. 
And again, it's, it's a matter of allowing God to have that control if we want to enjoy his presence. As you discover the path of life he has chosen, you will find comfort knowing his presence is with you, regardless of what that path involves. And lastly, it says pray for the eyes. Pray for your eyes to be able to see evidence of his presence. Interesting story that's told of Second Kings of Prophet Elisha. And he was uh, telling the Israel army what to do when the Syrian king would come and attack. And the Syrian king got frustrated. And he accused his army officials of being on Israel's side because every time they planned an attack, the Israelites were prepared to thwart it. And so the king of Syria asked his men to go find out where Elisha was, and they found out where he was, and they surrounded that city. They sent on a whole group of their army, chariots and horses, and surrounded this town where Nathan was, uh, where Elisha was staying. And uh, his servant, Elisha's servant, got up the next morning and looked out the window, and he says to Elisha, we're in trouble. We don't have a hope. We're surrounded. And Elisha says, uh-uh. We got more on our side than he, they've got on their side. And it says that Elisha prayed to God and he said, open the eyes of my servant. And it says that God answered Elisha's prayer. And it says that the, uh, the servant looked out the window another time, the next time, and he saw, it says, a whole surrounding of chariots, fire. And he was able to see what was really out there. Not that Syrian army, but God's army was there to protect them. And so, if we truly want to seek God, it's a matter of wanting to have eyes that can see and experience his presence and know that his presence is with us. It says, look for his hand in all that you experience on a daily basis, in both good and bad. So it's not that if we do these, all these things that it means we're going to know God's presence. I think it all starts with us desiring God's presence, the desire to have a close relationship with our God and then using these things or maybe there's other things that can help nurture that relationship to allow us to have an, intim an intimate relationship with our God. And back to the whole question of calling out to God for help. I don't think that God always wants to give us what we ask for. But I do believe that he will always be willing to walk with us as we do life together, if we do it in agreement with him and his will. 
So hopefully we can all say that we're on a journey of learning to recognize God's fingerprints in every part of our lives. So it really comes down to, to us choosing. Do we want to have a relationship with God that just involves us calling out to him when we think we need help or wanting to live a life with our God where we're doing life together, where we're walking with him, where we're seeking his presence uh, continually. Let's just close in prayer. God, it seems amazing that in you creating man and the way man responded to what you asked of them, that you still willingly want to have a relationship with us, a close relationship with us. And God, we thank you that you have provided a way for us to be able to enjoy your presence. And God, it really comes down to us wanting to seek your presence, wanting to walk with you in, a, in agreement with you so that we can enjoy your presence and to enjoy that fullness of joy that we can know when we know your presence is with us. And so, God, we, we pray that these few thoughts that we've shared tonight might challenge us, might challenge me to look at what I really want. Do I really want your presence? Do I really want to seek your presence in my life? And that, God, we will do, that I will do what? it takes to seek your presence, to seek to walk with you daily. And God, to do it for the honor and the glory of your name. We praise you and thank you. Amen. So there's some questions on your table there. So you have a chance to look at those, discuss them, and then we'll wrap things up in about a half hour or so.